I want you to open to the book of Luke chapter 6 as we have been studying the life of Jesus Christ through the gospel of Luke. Uh, It was my fourth and fifth grade year when I was in elementary school and I had two arch enemies and I'll just call them Tom and Jack in case they would be tuning in and know that I'm talking about them. I remember that in kindergarten through fourth grade that uh, they were good friends and for some reason something changed in fourth grade and I remember they would call me names or they would kick me or push me and in fifth grade we had uh, a class together and our teacher was uh, uh, having a baby so she was out the rest of the year so our principal was our teacher for the remaining of the year. Well, they had been giving me a bad time, and so he, uh, for, we were, the three of us, these two enemies of mine, we were uh, partnered up to go to the computers, and at that time, 1985, 86, you had the Apple II computers with the green lettering, and you'd go do your math problems, and so it was over behind the teacher's desk, walled off by these metal cabinets that were filled with science things, and so we went in there, and that day, I don't remember exactly why, but one of them punched me in the back really hard, and I remember it hurt. I remember tearing up or crying about it. I don't remember exactly, but I went home, and uh, my mom uh, was asking me questions, knew things weren't right, and so I finally told her what happened, and her being a good mom, she got on the phone with the principal right away and called her, hey, uh, they're, you know, they're beating up on my son, and we're telling him to defend himself, and if he does, don't you uh, suspend him or spank him, and yes, in, in that day, you could get spanked, and uh, for another day, I could tell you some of the times that I got the paddle, but the paddles were hard, they had holes in them so they could move swiftly through the air, and they stung. Well, my grandfather, who lived next door, uh, Grandpa Herb, a big man, you don't mess with him. He loved his family, and he heard that these two enemies of mine were picking on me, and he said, uh, you need to learn how to protect yourself. And so he gave me a, a quick boxing lesson, and he said, you just hit them right here. And then he said, now, if they don't go down, and he turns his, his side, and he says, now, you hit them right here in the kidney really hard. And he said, here, just test it on me. And uh, so he was training me to go defend myself. I think it was the next week. Uh, For some reason, the three of us, my two enemies, and I were partnered up again in the same computer room, and on the other side of the wall there was our principal who was filling in for our teacher. Uh, I sat down at one of the computers, and uh, they told me to move, and I said no. Uh, One of them again punched me in the back, and so I jumped up and punched one of them, and we got into it. And the, t- the principal came around the corner, breaking it up, pulling those two guys away, and they were um, suspended and spanked, and in my heart I cheered. Uh, not very loving for being a Christian at a Christian school. Uh, that was uh, Orange Belt Christian School in the little town of Strathmore. And I think about those days, I think about other times since then with other enemies, and as I read the Gospel of Luke, In Luke chapter 6, and what Jesus says about enemies, it made me think about my lack of love for my enemies. If you were uh, tuning in last Sunday, last Sunday we began to look in Luke 6 of what is called the Sermon on the Mount or the Sermon on the Plain, 
And Jesus is teaching there who is a citizen of the kingdom and who is not a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And he said those that are, the, that are blessed, the citizens of the kingdom of heaven, are those who are spiritually poor. They are hungry for righteousness. They are grieved or saddened over their sin. And they are persecuted for the sake of Christ's name. Those who are not citizens of the kingdom of heaven, Jesus said, are cursed. And he said, woe to those who strive only after riches, after comfort, after laughter, after fame. With that, we move and Jesus now teaches those who are citizens of the kingdom. Actually, he commands them, this is how a citizen of the kingdom of heaven is to live. And therefore, the big idea this morning is this. Love your enemy with the same love that Christ has for you. Would you open your Bible or turn on your Bible to Luke chapter 6, verse 27 through 36. Luke chapter 6, verse 27 through 36. Jesus says, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, Pray for those who abuse you. To the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing, nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Father, I pray that where we are at right now, in home, at home, outside, in a vehicle, wherever we are tuning in, we pray and ask, Holy Spirit, that you would teach us how to live as citizens of the kingdom of heaven. Father, would you help us to love our enemies if you've called us to do something that just seems very impossible. And we pray that for any who are far off that they would hear about Jesus and the cross and forgiveness and your love for us. And today would be the day of salvation. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as you look at this passage, I want you to look at verses 27 through 30. Jesus calls us to love the haters. We're to love those who hate us. We're to love those who are our enemies. Jesus says, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Now, if you're like me, the first thing is that's impossible. No way. You don't know that person. You don't know what they have done to me. Uh, why should I love them? Why should I forgive them? Why in the world should I do any good to them? Maybe I might at some point forgive them, but 
God, are you serious? Do you want me to love them? No, that's different. I love my family. I love my friends. I don't love my enemies. Well, Jesus is teaching us that a citizen of the kingdom of heaven has an obligation towards their enemies. That instead of hating their enemy, they're to love them and to do good to those who hate them. And Jesus is not teaching anything new. This is written in the Old Testament. If you turn with me to Exodus chapter 23, in the Old Testament, the nation of Israel was taught to show love to their enemies. Here's what Exodus chapter 23, verses 4 through 5 says. If you meet your enemy's ox or his donkey going astray, you shall bring it back to him. If you see the donkey of one who hates you lying down under its burden, you shall refrain from leaving him with it. You shall rescue it with him. So think about this today. You're driving down the road and you see an enemy of yours and their car is over to the side of the road and steam's rising out of the engine. And it's like you keep driving and you laugh and you say, man, I'm glad they got it. Or do you show love to them and you stop, you pull over, and even if they hate you, say, hey, can I help you? Or, hey, do you need your car towed? Hey, I got AAA, we'll get it towed. Imagine that type of act towards someone who is your enemy, someone who hates you. But Jesus doesn't stop at saying, love your enemies or do acts of good towards them. If you look at verse 28, Luke chapter 6, he says, bless those who curse you. And pray for those who abuse you. And at that point, it's like, I'm like, blessings? Prayer? No way. My, my prayer would be for their death, or my prayer would be for their destruction. God, you want me to actually bless them? You want me to pray that, you're well, that they would be, have a well-being with them? No, I, I actually want to just get back at them. Or I want someone else. Or God, would you just strike them down? I don't, I, I don't know about you, but... Um, too many times in my life, I've prayed and asked, Lord, just strike that person down, uh, and it's wrong, or I've been driving. I can't think of how many times when I lived in Los Angeles, the horrible driving and people cutting off, and I'm like, Lord, where are the police? Or, Lord, you know, have them get a ticket up there. But I was praying for not their well-being or, God bless you. It was more of uh, God curse uh, them and take them out. I don't know if you had this, but have you ever had a wrongful thought towards your enemy? Have you ever cheered when you saw an enemy get hurt or you heard that they died or you heard something bad happen to them? You ever been happy or laughed when you saw an enemy maybe just trip and fall on the ground in front of you? I know that I have, and that's wrong. And Proverbs chapter 24, verse 17 says, Do not... Rejoice when your enemy falls, and let not your heart be glad when he stumbles. So the question is, if someone hits you, what do you do? Well, the first thought is you hit them back harder. You get them back. Someone calls you something, you call them something worse. I mean, I was reading this this week and was thinking back to elementary school. Someone calls you something, I know you are, but what am I? Or you come up with some type of funny quip or something to say to cut them down faster. Because if you can cut them down faster or something that they won't get back to you, then it's like, man, I'm doing pretty good now. But that's not to be the lifestyle of a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. That's actually... The actions of someone 
who lives outside of the kingdom of heaven, who is not a, a citizen, but someone who loves evil and lives only in sin and wickedness. Verse 29, Jesus says, To the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. To think, wait, Jesus, you're telling me if someone punches me, to let them punch the other side of my face? Or they're calling me something to just let them go off on me again? I mean, we'll see here as we look at this that nothing in this does Jesus ever teach that you neglect self-defense or you get out of a, a, an abusive or a problem type of situation. Again, when he's teaching what the, or he's commanding the lifestyle of a believer is to reflect God, is to reflect Jesus' love for his enemies. There's a guy in the Old Testament named uh, David, uh, king of Israel. And he was a man after God's own heart, and he was a sinner, and God called him to be the king of Israel. But the first king of Israel, King Saul, God also chose. God also anointed. And at one point, because of Saul's sin and disobedience, uh, the prophet Samuel declares to Saul, hey, the kingdom has been torn from you, and he's found another man, uh, David. And so Saul begins to pursue and chase down King David, and he wants to kill him. And as he chases King David through the wilderness, there's a number of times where King David has opportunities to kill Saul. Like it's like God handed him over right then and there. Our family would do <coughs> make up our own uh, thing, Bible charades, and but we let people get props. And so one of our favorite charades that comes up every time we play is uh, uh, it is First Samuel chapter twenty-four. Verses 1 through 7. And someone goes and gets a robe, a red type of cloak or something to put on and a crown. And uh, someone, a group of the rest of the family, it's like, uh, it's like Kelly's on the couch watching and the kids and I acted out. And it's 1 Samuel 24. King David and his men are in the cave. They've been hiding from King Saul. King Saul decides he's going into the cave to go to the bathroom. And so while he's in there, King David's men say, hey, God has given Saul, your enemy, over to you. Kill him. And instead, he quietly sneaks over and cuts off a part of the robe. And, and then he feels grief and he feels sadness and remorse. And, 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 the, and the king Saul, he leaves the cave and David comes out. And he's like, man, I could have killed you and I didn't. And he said to his own men, he's like, I can't touch one of the Lord's anointed King Saul could have been wiped out by King David. But King David chose to show mercy and love to his enemy and spared Saul's life. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says this, <clears throat> Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless for to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. Well, Jesus continues in verse 30 of Luke chapter 6, and he says, Give to everyone who begs from you, and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. The hard part is, hey, you've stolen from me, you've taken from me, you've taken my rights away. And it's like, hey, no, I'm going to get you back for that. Instead, Jesus says, give to everyone who begs and don't demand the things back that are taken from you. 
The Apostle Paul captures this well as he writes in the book of Romans, chapter 12, verse 18. He says this in verses 18 through 21, If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Yeah, we say, yes, Lord, get them back. The wrath of God upon them. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. He's thirsty, give him something to drink, love my enemies, do good to my enemies, bless them, pray for them. God, this is a little too much. You don't know what those people have done to me or that person. You don't know the threats that they have brought against me. Well, Jesus goes on in verses 31 through 34, and, and he talks about this, the golden rule, and he gives three examples in his teaching. And in verse 31, he says, And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. Now, if you look at this moral principle from a worldly point of view, it's one way to get other people to be nice to you or to treat you right. You treat them right, they'll treat you right. But Jesus is speaking and teaching citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And the call is to love others even if they do not love you back. Again, you may join with me at times where I've said, well, that's impossible. God, that's impossible with that person. There's no way I could love that person That person is an enemy of mine. And I'll say this. Yes, it is impossible for you to do. It is impossible for me to do. Only citizens of the kingdom of heaven, only followers of Christ, only Christians are able or given the ability to love their enemies as God loves us. A non-Christian cannot love their enemies in the same way that God loves his enemies. Romans Chapter 5, Romans chapter 5 says in verse 5, And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. There's the key. As you are saved through faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes into your life. The love of God floods your heart. You're made new. The old is gone. And God enables you by His Spirit to show love to that enemy or those enemies. Loving others is more than just feeling love towards them. Loving others, you may not even feel like loving them. And it comes down to the commands to do acts of love, to show love, to do things towards those people that show your love even when you don't feel like loving them. So look at the three examples here in verses 32. Now, the first example is to love those who love you. Now, these are negative in a sense that it says, if you love those, verse 32, who love you, 
Jesus says, what benefit is that to you? Even, for even sinners love those who love them. He says, what benefit do you really get for loving those who only love you? He talks about sinners. If you read in Matthew's account, you'll see that Jesus is talking about sinners and he talks about tax collectors and says tax collectors do this well. In the nation of Israel, in that time of Christ, there were Jews who were tax collectors, who they saw them as people who were sold out to Rome, who taxed the Jewish people and then taxed above that for their own benefit. And so the rest of the nation of Israel saw them as the worst of sinners. And Jesus says, sinners love sinners because they love one another. He says, what benefit is that to you? Sinners hang out with sinners. They love each other. Jesus showed his great love to these tax collectors and he was even, because he ate with them as sinners and he was even declared a sinner by the religious people because he was showing his love to them. He gives an example. If you go and read Luke chapter 14 this week, verses 12 through 14, Jesus is using an illustration and he says, if you throw a party for rich friends, just so they'll invite you to their next party, then you're wrong. You're missing the point. He says, instead, if you want to be blessed, invite the poor, invite the blind, invite the lame who cannot repay you, and you will be blessed. The second example is in verse 33. He says, do, says, do good to those who do good to you. Again, it's repetitive. If you do good to those who do good to you, verse 33 what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. I'll help you, you help me. I'll scratch your back, you scratch mine. And Jesus says, what is the benefit? Again, he says, sinners do the same thing. And if you think about it, that's the type of actions that open up the door for trying to get revenge. You do good to someone, they don't do good to you, so you want to get them back. The third example there in 34, lend to those you expect to receive from. So if you let someone borrow something from you with the minds that are like, you know, I'll let them borrow this when they ask, because I want to borrow that from them. He's like, no. He, it's, it's something that Christ says, even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. These examples that he gives and then going back to this golden rule in verse 31, he says, And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you're loving someone to get something out of them, like love back, then you're no better than acting as the sinners do towards one another to get something. Instead, Jesus teaches his children, those who are citizens of the kingdom of heaven, children of God, to love others the same way that he loves them. Would you look with me at verses 35 through 36? His third point is that there is a great reward for children of the king. You see, when you come to faith in Jesus Christ, you are adopted by your heavenly father as one of his own children. So you're not just a citizen living in the kingdom of heaven. You're one of the king's children, his own. And he teaches us and commands us to love our enemies because our, our Father in heaven has shown us the same kind of love. Look at verse 35. But love your enemies 
and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. And the evil. Children of the King are to be a mirror of God's love and His grace and His mercy towards His enemies. The problem is that because of our old self, the flesh, our old sinful desires, is that we want to get revenge on our enemies. How dare you treat me that way? How dare you say that to me? How dare you do this? I'm going to get you back. That's the old sinful self that we still battle, even though we've been set free from the slavery to that sin. It's still a battle today. Again, have we wrongly prayed that God would take out our enemies and that God would destroy them and put harm upon them and send them to hell? It's horrible. And I know that I've been guilty of prayers like that and have had to say, God, forgive me for praying those types of things because that's not what a child of the king A citizen of the kingdom of heaven is called to do. And so I would tell you this, if you're a follower of Christ, the only way possible to love your enemies is by walking in the Spirit. By being filled with the Holy Spirit and walking in the ways of the Holy Spirit of God. Galatians chapter 5 verse 16 says, But I say, Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, the old self. Instead, do we pray for our enemies that they would repent of their sins and believe in Jesus Christ, and that they would be saved for all eternity, and that they too would become citizens of the kingdom of heaven? Do we pray that? I've been wondering last night and this morning as I saw a few things on the news, I wonder how many Christians right now are praying for the North Korean dictator, Kim Jong-un. We don't know if he's dead or not as I looked at news right before I walked in here. But he's an enemy of the United States. He wanted to take us out. I wonder how many of us that are believers are praying for his salvation from hell? Or are we praying that he would die quickly? How are you praying for your enemies? A good story that Jesus teaches for you to reflect on would be the story uh, of the Good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10. Read that this week. It's at the end of Luke chapter 10. Jesus says there's a man. He's on a a path. And these thieves, these robbers jump him. They beat him. They steal from him. They leave him for dead. One religious leader walks by and walks around the guy. Doesn't want to help him. Another religious leader walks by and goes around. Doesn't want to help. But the third guy, an enemy of the nation of Israel, in those sense, a Gentile. The Jews call them dirty dogs. He stops. He helps the man. He binds up his wounds. He puts them on his donkey. He takes him to a hotel and he pays for it and says to the innkeeper, hey, when I come back through, if there's any more charges, put it on my account. I will pay for it. And Jesus says, that is the example to be towards showing love to your enemies. Wow. 
That's impossible for me, and it's impossible for you, apart from the powerful work of the Holy Spirit in us. The last verse in the text here of Luke chapter 6, in verse 36, Jesus says, Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. God extends His great love to His enemies. In general, we call it common grace that God's love is displayed in blessings upon all. Psalm 145 verse 9 says, The Lord is good to all and His mercy is over all that He has made. And we must remember that God does not love us only when we love Him. Instead, He loved us first. And the Father, our Heavenly Father, gave Jesus Christ His Son to come and die for His enemies. Romans chapter 5, verse 10 has a lot to say about you and me. It says, For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by His life. I know we love the end of that verse, but did you hear at the beginning? For if while we were enemies, every single one of us, born into this world, are born as enemies of God because we're born sinful. And all of us are fallen. Whether you agree with that or not, Scripture is clear. And we are born as enemies of the King of kings and Lord of lords. And He is the one who has shown His love to us, His enemies. Therefore, when we see the cross and the forgiveness of Christ, His blood shed to cover over our sins, to remove our sins, to receive the wrath of the Father, dying in our place for our sins, His love for us, His enemies, we then can forgive those who are enemies of us today. When we see the mercy of our Heavenly Father towards us, His enemies, we then can show mercy to our enemies. Again, loving your enemies is not just a feeling. It's something that actually has to flow from your heart in the way that you act. Your actions of good towards your enemies show the love of God. And you never know when your action of, of goodness towards someone, your enemy, that they see the love of Christ and they see the love at the cross and they come to salvation and believe in Christ. At the same time, again, Jesus is not taught at all that you stand by the side when someone's being attacked, that you uh, just live in a situation where you're being abused or you're not defending yourself. Jesus never teaches against those things. He does teach that those who reject him are not forgiven and remain enemies and will go to hell. Enemies. Luke chapter 23, read this passage here. Jesus is going to the cross, and in Luke chapter 23, verse 33, when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, For they know not what they do. 
and they cast lots to divide his garments. The way that that is written in that language, it's possible that Jesus was repeatedly saying, Father, forgive them, for they know what not they do. Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them, my enemies who have come against me. We are to imitate Jesus Christ. We are to imitate our Heavenly Father who is willing to forgive us, His enemies, and love us first. So the question is, how do you apply this in your life? If you're a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, pray for your enemies and start now. Start today. Pray every single day for your enemies. Pray blessings upon your enemies and pray that God would help you show love and forgiveness to them knowing that He is the one who is the great judge. You are not. Over a week ago, I started praying for someone that at times has acted uh, in ways that I'm like, man, that person's my enemy, and, and it's praying blessings over them. And out of the blue, that person communicated with me and said some wonderful blessings upon my life and my family. And I was blown away. Pray and start praying for those people. If you're waiting to get revenge on someone and you've already typed up that email that you've gone through a bunch of times and it's just waiting in your send box to go out, your out box, delete it. Confess your sins to the Lord. Those texts that you're ready because you're fired up this morning over someone, hey, just delete it. Spend a few minutes and pray and talk with God. Say, Lord, Lord, this person is my enemy. This person's attacking me and I need help. And the Holy Spirit helps the children of God to walk in holiness in a right way. And lastly, if you're not a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, Jesus Christ has poured out his blood at the cross for his enemies. And he calls you to believe in faith that Jesus is God and that he died for your sins and he rose again, and that he is returning as he has promised to do. There's no fancy prayer. There's no words to say other than to call out to God, confess your sins to him, and ask that he would save you. As the worship team comes forward, I want to read and close with this passage in 1 John chapter 4. In 1 John chapter 4, it reminds us, it teaches us of God's great love for us, his enemies. And it says this in 1 John chapter 4, beginning in verse 7. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. And anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought, also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God if we love one another. God abides in us and His love is perfected in us us. Father, I ask that you would pour out your spirit upon your people. I pray and ask, Holy Spirit, that you would work in the hearts of your children right now. 
that you would help us, that you would guide us, that you would fill us, that you would empower us at this moment to forgive those who have wronged us and that we would begin to pray for those who are enemies, that we would be found as people who are walking in a worthy manner of your kingdom. Holy Spirit, fill us up. Father, for those who are far off, who are not a part of the citizens, they're not citizens of your kingdom, I pray that you would call them to you, Jesus, the door. And they would come to you in faith. And that you would forgive them, that you would save them, you would make them new. And they too would join in in showing love to others. Father, would you receive the praise from our lips as we sing to you in Jesus' name. Amen.